Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is using Adventure Church to speak into your life. If you have a story you'd like to share, please do so at adventure.church/mystory. Also, if you would like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do that online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every week. Now let's prepare to hear a word from God. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Daylight Savings Time Weekend, otherwise known as the lowest attended Sunday of the year for churches. Uh, So hey, give yourself some credit. You made it. The 915 people got extreme credit uh, that they were here, especially those who have children. They got their kids here as well. Uh, But we're glad you're here today. You're jumping into part two of a series that we started last week called Follow. Also want to welcome those of you who are joining us online. Appreciate you tuning in as well. So last week we began to ask this question, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does that look like when Jesus was asking people to be a part of his kingdom, a part of his you know, message, what he was about in the world, he never asked anyone to accept them in their heart. You know, we hear those terms like, I invited the Lord into my heart, you know, and, and that's, those are all relative things that we, we do, relevant, but, but what about, you know, following Jesus? He asked people to follow him. In fact, in Matthew, we, we see this right away in chapter 4, Jesus said that he went out, he called out to them, these, these people were fishing, they were fishermen. He said, come and follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. And so we've been asking this question, do we believe in Jesus or do we actually follow Jesus? The Bible says that belief isn't enough. If belief doesn't affect our behavior, if it doesn't change the way that we live, then do we really believe it? In fact, the Bible says that even the demons those who work for the devil believe in Jesus, but are they the ones that follow his way? So there's something that's different when we begin to follow Jesus. And last week we talked about kind of part one of this is being willing to give our lives to something bigger than us, being willing to serve and to give of ourselves into God's kingdom and his purpose in the world. And we, we kind of got to the basic fundamental belief of that, that scripture tells us that You were actually created by your creator to serve, that you were hardwired this way, that there's something in you that wants to be fulfilled, and we can try to fill it ourselves all we want. But we said you can't acquire, consume, or exercise your way to fulfillment. You can't fulfill you, but you can volunteer and serve your way to fulfillment. And the more you pour of yourself out for God's kingdom, for his purposes in the world, the more God fills you up. So in order to be filled up, you've got to be willing to pour yourself out. And there's something amazing and powerful that happens when we begin to pour ourselves out for God's kingdom. And last week, we announced that we are uh, going to be expanding our kid venture area. If you weren't here, uh, we are, our church is growing exponentially this year in the first couple months of the year. Uh, we're maxed out on space. Last week in Kid Venture, uh, in just the elementary alone, there was 41 kids first service and 38 kids second service, just in the elementary age group. That doesn't include preschool. I think there was something close to 160 kids back there 
last Sunday. Uh, it's crazy, right? And so we're running out of parking spots this week. We had gravel laid uh, back on uh, some of our, our neighbor's property and some store, and between some storage units. Uh, we can fit about 30 more cars back there. So our staff and some of our early morning volunteers are already moving their cars and creating more parking spaces for people. And so we're just in the need to expand. So we're going to be expanding KidVenture. I met with some contractors this week. We'll continue this process. Uh, There's a warehouse directly uh, located behind KidVenture attached to this building. So many people last week were like, where's the warehouse? Like, we're going to be moving our kids into those storage units over there. Like, where where are they going? No, no, no. It's, It's attached to the building we're in. You'll be able to get there from coming in the same entrance that you do now. And so those are all things that we're working on. And then we announced the need to go to three services. And so uh, two services isn't going to cut it for us for much longer. So we're trying to expand our two services the best we can and maximize those. That's why we're you know, bringing in more parking, more kid space. And our goal was to do that to give us some time to kind of prepare for three services. It's going to take everyone being willing to get in the game, to grab their towel and serve. So if you go out in the lobby, if you weren't here last week, uh, there's a, a board, a banner up there on the boards that just kind of explains every role that needs to be filled for us to be ready to go to three services. Uh, and so if you didn't sign up last week, uh, you were one of many that uh, or most people did, which was amazing. Last week we had 135 adults, okay, sign up to grab their towel and serve. That's amazing, right? Yeah, give God praise for that. I called some pastor friends of mine. I was pretty, I was pretty shocked. Uh, you know, I was just like, wow. You know, when they finally told me the number, they tallied that up, and I was just amazed. Uh, at that, and I called some pastor friends of mine. They're like, "What did you do? What did you say? You know, like, how did you convince?" I was like, "Man, that's a God thing, uh, where God is really just moving in our church." So we're thankful for that. But as you go out, you'll still see some spots that we need filled, especially in Kid Venture. Uh, that's our greatest area of opportunity for you to plug in and invest in the next generation. Uh, what an awesome thing that we get to give to our children in that way. And so if you didn't sign up and you aren't involved, make sure today as you go out those doors, we have more towels available for you. This is just something for you to keep that just says, I will follow in the, in the way of serving the footsteps of Jesus that lead me to serve and to give of myself. And we would love uh, to get you plugged in and a part of that. So as we move on to part two this week, uh, I was really kind of torn on what direction, so many ways that we could go in this series, and as I was preparing this week, kind of shifted from when we planned this series a few months ago uh, to really focus on the Sermon on the Mount, which is found in Matthews chapter 5 through 7. This is where Jesus kind of lays out the, the, the guidelines for his kingdom, but I think if, you know, if we're really going to follow God, we have to ask ourselves, you know, what do I need to know, what do I need to do? You think about that. If you're going to be effective at anything that you set out to do, career, you know, family, whatever it is, well, what do I need to know? Like, what knowledge do I need to have? And then what do I do with that knowledge? What do I need to do to be effective, to be a Christ follower? So when it comes to following Christ, what do you need to know? What, do you, what education do you need to have in, in studying God's Word? And then what do we do with that? And in Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus kind of lays out, if you're going to be my follower, this is what it looks like. This is what your life will begin to look like. In Luke 14, 26 through 28, Jesus starts out and, and kind of makes it pretty clear that it's, it's, it's not the easiest thing in the world to follow me. He says, if you want to be my disciple, you must. Not, hey, maybe, you know, once you get to this stage, you know, once you mature to this level. He says, look, if you're going to follow me, 
you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father, your mother, your wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even your own life. Well, let me pause there for a second. Jesus is, is, a, is an amazing teacher. He's very strategic in, in how he grabs people's attention. This was a metaphor that he was using. Jesus obviously is about love, not hate. In fact, we're going to go in a little bit further where he says that, that we're to love our enemies, not hate our enemies. So he's not literally saying that you hate them, but what he's saying is, and he's going to go on to explain this idea of counting the cost. So what he's saying is like, even if your family won't follow me, you choose me. You choose me above everything and everyone else. I got to be first. If you're going to follow me, you got to embrace everything that I'm about. You choose me above everyone else. He says, otherwise, you can't be my disciple. And if you don't carry your own cross and follow me, Jesus was going to lay out his, this example for us, lead the way when it came to carrying the cross. He says, you cannot be my disciple. He says, so don't begin. Don't follow me until you count the cost. And then he goes on to describe, you know, a a smart builder isn't going to just start building a project without laying out a budget, counting the cost. What is this going to cost me? Otherwise, you'll get halfway through and you won't be able to finish the project. He says, you know, a a good leader doesn't go to war until he knows the troops are ready, until he sought counsel and gotten wisdom on on what's going to be the best approach. And so he begins to say, you don't make big decisions in life without counting the cost and understanding what it's going to require from you. And he says, and then he's going to go on to say, and this is what it requires to follow me. When you become my follower, average is no longer acceptable. Average will no longer cut it. You can't look and act like everyone else. There's got to be something different about you. There was a show a number of years ago called The Average Joe. Does anybody remember The Average Joe? Okay, so this show, and those of you who are still like bachelor, bachelorette, you know, fans, you know, one, I'm praying for you. You need to get delivered from that show. Uh, it's, it's just terrible. I mean, it's just so Amen. ridiculous. Uh, so sorry if you love it. Hey, it's all good. Do what you, you want to do. But this show was actually entertaining, you know. This wasn't far-fetched. What they did is they took a beautiful bachelorette, and then they recruited average Joes, average-looking men, middle, you know, a little bit overweight, maybe balding, you know, out of shape, you know, not typical of the, you know, bachelors for them to compete for this woman's love. It was, you talk about entertainment. It was wonderful. It was a great show. Uh, and so what was, what's so funny is it was great to watch, but it was kind of sad when you really think about it, that these guys were recruited for being average, right? Like, hey, you're, hey, yeah, man, you fit the part. Oh, awesome, I made the show, I'm average, right? Like, this girl's way out of my league. Sweet, sign me up, right? Like, no one wants to be average. When you really think about it in your life, like when you set out in your career and your family as a, as a parent, as a spouse, like, no one just wants to be average. We don't want to do life with just average people, you know? When, when I introduce my wife or I talk about my wife to someone, they go, oh, really, tell me what your wife's like. Eh, she's average, you know? right? Like we would never say that. My wife is way beyond average, right? Like, but we would never say that. Hey, tell me about your son. Eh, he's okay. <laughs> you know, he's average. I'm just hoping he, you know, graduates someday, you know, maybe. If he gets C's, I'll be pleased, you know. Just be average, buddy, you know. We, we, we don't want that. We don't want that for our own life. We don't want to be around average people. We want to be above average. We want to break the barrier of average. And Jesus wants the same thing for his followers. He doesn't want his followers to be average. 
He wants us to go above and beyond the average, above and beyond the status quo, so that we can really make a difference for his kingdom. So what do we need to know when it comes to following Jesus? What do we need to do? And in the most famous sermon ever given, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, I would encourage you to go back at some point and read that. Now these stories in Matthew 5 through 7 are kind of spread throughout the other Gospels, and we don't know if Jesus necessarily taught all these at one time. Matthew makes us believe that. Uh, But for whatever, he put them all in one spot. So all of Jesus' teachings of saying, hey, this is what it's going to look like for my followers, for my kingdom, this is what it looks like. And so Jesus isn't giving this sermon to kind of rally the multitudes, to try to convince people to believe in him. This isn't some persuasive speech where he's trying to recruit people. Jesus is giving this sermon to set out his kingdom program and to make a divide between those who would be a part of it and those who would not. Those who are going to be followers of his and those who are not. So in Matthew 5, 13, this is how he begins to describe what it means to be his follower. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out, trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So he's saying, again, he's laying out the guidelines. He's saying, look, if you're going to be my follower, you're going to be the light of the world. You are going to stand out. If you really follow me, you're going to be different. There's going to be some things that set you apart. You can't blend in and be average like everyone else because people are looking for light. There will be a noticeable difference, Jesus is saying, that sets my people, my followers, apart. And when people look at you, they're going to see me in you. They're going to see my light in you. There's distinguishable characteristics. My wife is very good at picking out characteristics of people's children and being able to tell them, like, oh, yeah, you got your dad's eyes, or, you know, you got your, your mom's nose, or you got your uncle's ears, you know. Like, I don't even know how she does it, but, but she's always picking them out. Oh, yeah, she looks like this. They look like that. Like, I don't really understand it. But, you know, like for my kids, right, there, there should be some resemblance of me and my children. And so, in fact, like people always come up. I have a four-year-old son, Maddox. When they come up to Maddox, they'll say, oh, Maddox, he's just so cute. And I'll go, he looks just like me, doesn't he, right? Get it? Right, okay. It's, it's Daylight Savings Time weekend. I gave you guys a pass on that one, but uh, that was funny. Um, but he, he looks like, like, like my kids both got white hair. Like my daughter and my son, they have white hair. When I had hair until I was like five or six, it was white too, right? There's some, there's some distinguishable characteristics that, that, I, that look like me, and my kids look like me, that there's something. There's, there's resemblance in family members, right? Like where you see brothers and sisters, you're like, oh yeah, they, they're definitely related. There's something that resembles their family in them. And that's what Jesus is saying here. That when you come into my family, that you're going to start to look different. That there's going to be something about you that distinguishes you and lets people know that you're mine that you're a part of me. You're in my kingdom. You're not of this world. You don't follow the values and the the guidelines of this world. You're going to another level. You're not just going to be average. 
you're going to go above average. Why is this so important? Why is it so important that, that we reflect the light of Jesus in our world, that we are different? Listen, people are desperate for different. They're desperate. Lost people are looking all the time for something that's different, for someone that is different. And so we can't just blend in. Jesus is saying, you can't blend in with the rest of the world. You can't embrace the same values. You can't act the same way, that there's something different about my followers that sets you apart. And he says, why? He says, so let those good deeds, let these values shine out for all to see so that people will give me praise so that people will see you and they'll see me that's what we're called to be that's what followers are all about and Jesus said and they will know you are mine by the way you love each other and now he's about to roll out these characteristics that require love and patience and sacrifice in order to be his followers so he describes these things and the behaviors that we must have. And let's see if you know some of them. An eye for an eye and a... All right, you're going to catch on here. Turn the other... Right? He would give you the... That's a tougher one. The shirt off his back, right? You've heard that phrase before, right? Oh, he's a great guy. Salt of the earth. Give you the shirt off his back, right? Be the salt of the earth shirt off his back. Go the extra, oh, that was easier, right? Go the extra mile. You go, we've heard these things in culture. People describe people with these characteristics, and maybe you, you did or you didn't know this. These are all things that Jesus begins to describe in Matthew 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, in verse 17, he, he wants to kind of lay the foundation right away. He says, don't misunderstand why I've come. I didn't come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. And Jesus is going to go on to describe some of the things that the law says, and then he's going to raise the standard on his followers. He's going to say, you have heard it said this, but I say this. In every one of the laws that they had, Jesus raises the standard for what it means to be his follower. This is what's going to set you apart. This is what's going to make you different as my followers and he begins to roll out the moral guidelines for his kingdom and the behaviors of those who follow him verse 38 of Matthew 5 he says so you have heard it said this is the law punishment must match the injury an eye for an eye a tooth for a tooth but I say do not resist an evil person if someone slaps you on the right cheek offer the other cheek also You have heard it said, the law, and there was a law in Jewish culture called the law of retaliation, which said if whatever someone does to you, you have a legal right to go and do that same thing to them. But Jesus knew we were human, right? Come on, when you've ever retaliated against someone, do you do the exact same thing? No, we take it up a level, don't we, right? That's what we do. Oh, you did that? Well, I'll go here with it, right? That's what we do. And he's saying, not in my kingdom, not in my kingdom, you've heard it said this, that you could do exactly to someone else what they've done to you. But Jesus is challenging the average. He's going to challenge the status quo with his followers. He says, that's not how it's going to be for me. Not for my kingdom. My followers are going to be different. Now listen, I want to say this. Jesus 
again, was, was a masterful communicator. And this doesn't mean that you allow someone to pummel you and just beat you up. Or that you stand by and, and watch someone else get beaten. That's not what he's saying. Or allow bullying to, to happen to those and don't just be passive. You know, that's not what he's saying. This was ultimately describing the ultimate insult. He didn't say someone punches you in the face. He said when someone slaps you in the face. And in Jewish culture, the ultimate insult that someone could do is backhand you to the face. And he says if someone insults you in that kind of way, you just turn to them the other cheek. You don't respond with an insult. You don't retaliate. My followers take the high road. Even when you're insulted, you don't respond with that type of thing. He said, you turn the cheek. He goes on in verse 40. He says, if you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. Someone wants to sue you. Someone comes after you for money, wrongfully. He says, my followers are even to be generous to those who are trying to take something from them. To be generous. To give the shirt off your back. To be willing to, to take the high road in the way that you live. 41, if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it for two miles. Go the extra mile. Don't just meet the average, go the extra mile. What you need to understand here is that in this time, the Jewish culture was ruled by the Roman government. And a Roman soldier could demand a Jewish person to carry their gear for one mile. It was legal. That's what they could do. And the Jewish people knew that a mile was about a thousand steps. So what they would do when a soldier demanded that from them, they would count out loud. One, two, three. And as soon as they got to a thousand, they would stop, strip the gear off, and move on. And Jesus is saying, with my followers, if a soldier demands that from you, you go the first mile. And in fact, why don't you go the second mile? If someone dumps their responsibility on you, you take care of it, and then some, because that's what's going to set you apart as different. That's what's going to make you more than average, is the type of people that go the extra mile. Verse 42, give to those who ask, don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Give to the one who asks of you, lend money and help someone when you can. Give to those in need, not give everything. Give something. Again, we have to take this within the context of the entire Bible. This doesn't mean that if someone you don't know walks up to you and says, hey, can you give me everything in your savings account, that you don't just write the check and be done with it, right? He's not saying that. He's saying when you know that there's a legitimate need and you have the ability, the means, the resources to meet that need, you meet that need. No questions asked. That's what my followers do. If someone needs to borrow from you, you lend them what they need because my people will be marked by generosity. Then Jesus goes on in Matthew 6. We're in 5 now. Matthew 6, most of that chapter, Jesus goes on to teach about money and possessions and how we're to handle them and how we're to be generous with our resources, putting our trust fully in God. And we'll talk a little bit more about that next week. But Jesus devoted a third of his most famous sermon to generosity that my people will be marked by their generosity, that their devotion to me, their love for me, will be authenticated on how they love and treat other people, on how they're generous towards other people, that Christ's followers are to be generous people. 
that they help those who are in need. Then he goes on in verse 43. He says, you've heard that the law says, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. You see, again, this culture, hating your enemy was accepted. It was legal. It was what people would expect of you. He did that to you? Oh, you hate them forever. You disown that person. You get rid of that person. And Jesus says that's not how it's going to be anymore. He's raising the standard, not with my followers. You will show love and forgiveness to those who hurt you. You will pray for them. That's the type of behavior that sets my followers apart from everyone else. And I love how he ended that with verse 45. In that way, you will be acting like my kids. Right? When we go back, there's something that in Maddox that looks like me. That looks like his dad. And he says, you want to look like your dad? You want to look like your father in heaven? This is how you act. These are the characteristics that I possess and that my followers, my kids, should possess as well. So if we summarize this, he says you need to be willing to turn the cheek to not respond in a way that would even be accepted in culture. You take the high road. You're willing to give the shirt off your back. You're willing to go the extra mile. These are the things that set my people apart. When someone is in need and you have the ability to help, you have the resources to be generous, you be generous, no questions asked. And when someone wrongs you and hurts you, you forgive for that, that person. You extend grace to that person. You love that person. You pray for that person. And he says, Christ's followers, my followers, give more than expected. They go above and beyond the normal. My followers won't just be average. They're going to be above average. They're going to exceed expectations. And that will be the thing that sets them apart. That's what the world is looking for. It's people who are willing to go above and beyond, to extend grace and humility towards other people. The band's coming. We're going to close out. But do you know anyone like this? Really think about it. Do you know someone that kind of fits these characteristics? I do. I wish I could say that I possess those all the time. I don't. Probably you don't either. But I know some people that have some of these things. I know some people that attend Adventure Church that their generosity would blow your mind. If you knew the dollar amount, the percentage that they gave to this church and the kingdom and the investment they made, you'd be like, that's crazy. I know some people that that show up, and as we talked about last week, serving. I see the volunteers in the parking lot when I'm pulling in and it's 18 degrees this morning, and they're setting up the flags, and they do it every week, and they serve and love people. I see these things, and I go, man, that's incredible. I know people that serve and give of themselves outside of these walls who are making a difference in this community, stories that I hear that you would probably never hear of people in this church who go above and beyond to help people and to serve people and to love people with no strings attached generosity. Those people stand out. We know people like that. We look at people like that and we go, man, I want something like that. It's when you see that viral video on your Facebook 
of someone who just exceeds expectations. Generosity, whatever it is, and, and it gets viewed millions of times because people go, man, I want to be around someone like that. There's something about that type of person that's attractive, that's meaningful, that compels us to want to do better. And Jesus says, that's, that's what my people are going to be about. This is what my followers are to be about, that they're set apart, that they're different, and they stand out for the right reasons, not in judgment, but in love. You see, for too long, the church has been known more for what we're against than what we're for. And people want nothing to do with Jesus, not because of Jesus, but because of his followers, or those who at least claim to be. If that's what following Jesus looks like, I don't want nothing to do with it. Because they judge, they, they're hypocritical in the, what they do and what they say. They say they believe this. I don't see it in the way that they live. And that's the reputation, unfortunately, that the church, not this church or that church, the church in general, has gotten. And God is saying, that's not, that's not it. That's not what makes my followers different. What makes my followers different is that they exceed expectations. They don't just do what's required. They go above and beyond. You see, and these characteristics all have something in common. The common denominator of all these things was broken relationships. Think about it. Someone's hurt you, spouse, loved one, family member, a friend. They hurt you, stabbed you in the back. They insulted you. He says, we're to extend grace. Someone stole something from you. They took advantage of you. He says we're to be loving even towards that part. You were exploited, overworked, underpaid. An employee used you as a stepping stone to get the promotion that you deserve. They took credit for what you did. Been burned, saying, I'm not letting that happen again. You see, the common denominator for these characteristics that we have to overcome is broken relationships. And that's what makes following Jesus so challenging. You see, this is more than difficult to do. It's impossible to do without Jesus. We can't hit his standards without his spirit. He says the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, all of those things are the fruit of him leading and guiding our lives, surrendering to the spirit. We've talked about that numerous times at Adventure Church where we have to allow Jesus in us to control us and to to be filled up with his spirit in order to live this out. It's challenging. It's nearly impossible. Jesus, in Matthew 7, towards the end of this Sermon on the Mount, he said, you, you can enter the, God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. The gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow. This road is difficult, and few ever find it. The wide road, culture, what's accepted, what's the norm. He said, man, that's easy. That's the way most people go. They're average, but not so with my followers. The road that, that I'm asking you to walk, man, it's narrow. It's challenging. The high road, man, it's tough to take. It's very narrow. It's difficult. But he says, this is the path that leads to life. Everything else, man, that's going to lead you nowhere, to destruction, to broken relationships, he said, this is the path that leads to life. And thankfully, Jesus doesn't just tell us 
in his sermon what we're to do. He showed us what to do. And that's what sets Jesus apart, is that Jesus was willing to lead by example in how we serve and in how we live. You see, the common denominator was broken relationship, and that's what you and I had with God. The relationship was broken. We had sinned. We had wronged. And Jesus loved us so much that he was willing to to bridge the gap. So God sent his son into this world. And Jesus willingly paved the road, went the second mile for you and me. You see, he carried a cross with the weight of the world on it, with the sin of the world on it. And he went first, paying a debt that he did not owe, going above and beyond and taking on punishment that he didn't deserve. You see, when those who were crucifying him spit in his face, he turned the other cheek. When those who were nailing him to a cross, he forgave them, even in the moment of his greatest pain. You see, that's what he did. He gave his life for undeserving sinner like me and like you. You see, Jesus didn't just tell us what to do. He showed us what to do. He led the way for his followers to go behind. You see, he paved the path that we are to follow. The path has been paved. It's been laid out. And with his help, walking with him, staying close to him, he says, you can walk the same path. There's no way Jesus would roll out these standards, these guidelines for his kingdom, and make it impossible for you to do. He says, you see, with man, what seems impossible is possible with me. And you go, it's impossible for me to forgive them, Kyle. No, it's not. It's possible. It's impossible for me to take the high road in this situation with this family member. There's no way that that can be reconciled. It's possible. For all who believe, for all who follow him, it's possible for you this morning. He paved the path so it would be possible. He led by example for you and me. And imagine what this world would look like if all those who claim to believe actually lived this out, actually followed, that we became known for love, that people would look at us and see Jesus in us, that Christ's followers wouldn't rely on Washington or some politician to embrace and promote the values of God's word that we began to live it out every day and how we treat that neighbor and how we respond to our coworker, and how we relate to our boss and how we serve our spouse and lay down our life for our kids. When people go, there's something different about those guys. There's something different about her. There's something different about him. They treat people differently. They don't join in the gossip. They don't, they don't embrace all these values. There's something that sets them apart. And if Christ followers would begin to just live this out with the grace and the mercy of God. Listen, we're going to fall short. But if we made an attempt to begin to walk this out daily and how we talk to the person at the grocery store and all the activities that we do, man, this world would be radically changed. 
that's why we planted Adventure Church. That's why we started this church. Because I wanted to be a part of a church and a group of people that said, it's not about me. This church isn't here to serve me. I'm, I'm here to serve the church. I'm here to en- embrace God's kingdom and what he wants for my life. And that's why I was thrilled when 135 people said, I'm in, man. I'm in. Let's change the world. Why? Because people are desperate for different. They're tired of the average. They're tired of being treated with judgment and hate. They want someone to love them. And that's why I love Adventure Church, because people walk in these doors every Sunday to a group of people that said, regardless of what you're going through, regardless of what you're struggling with, welcome home. You belong here. There's a place for you. Come to my life group. God has something for you. We'll walk with you. Imagine what this world would look like. Imagine what this community would look like if we began to live this out. What would exceeding your spouse's expectations do for your marriage? If you went above average in your relationship, how would that begin to change the dynamic of your relationship and your family? What if we did that for our kids? We began to exceed expectations for them. We began to serve selflessly for them. What would that do for them and their future? What would it look like if you did that for your boss and where you work, where you began to just exceed your coworkers' expectations, your friends' expectations? where we began to live out these values, people would notice, I'm telling you, they'd notice. That's when Jesus says, you look like me, my kids, when you reflect that kind of light to this world. This world's a dark place, there's no doubt about it. But if Christ followers, we begin to follow the path that Jesus paved for us, it's amazing each of us just turned on our light the difference it would make would you stand with me today we're going to close out in a time of worship you see following Jesus is hard it's hard Jesus said it he started out this message and he said listen if you're going to follow me it's going to be the hardest thing you ever do you better count the cost if you're really going to be my disciple because I'm going to lead by example. I'm going to lay down my life. And I'm going to require the same thing of you. But you're not going to do it on your own. I'm with you. I'll be in you. And I'm going to show you. What do you need to know? You need to know that this is the standard. You need to know that you're going to fall short. And it's the grace of God that enables you to pursue him with that kind of passion and purpose. What do you need to do? you got to go above and beyond Christ followers exceed expectations they give more than expected through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in you you can do this you can be different you will be different that's what I want for this church that's what I want for you I want people outside these walls to look in and go that church is different they're different and it's not because of me It's because of you. You are the church. You are representatives of Adventure Church, but more importantly, Jesus Christ everywhere that you go. And we have an opportunity to point people to him. And I love that. He said, and when your light shines, they're not going to give you praise. They're not going to go, wow, look at them. They're going to go, I see Jesus in him. He said, they'll give 
your heavenly father the praise that he deserves because he's in you empowering you to go above and beyond our prayer partners are going to make their way to the back this morning if you need prayer for anything maybe it's a broken relationship maybe it's you know you're falling short in one of these areas man we all are on some level or another and go back and pray with them invite God into that situation today but as we worship God can we just make a commitment in our hearts this morning to say Lord this is so difficult to do but God will you help me for the sake of your kingdom for the cause of Christ will you help me to be a true follower Lord we love you we're so thankful that you didn't just tell us what to do you showed us what to do you led by example God, today, we follow in your footsteps. We, we walk the path that you paved for us and ask you, God, to enable us and empower us to be your followers in this world, to be your light in a dark, dark world. God, may we go above and beyond so that we can point people to you.